Welcome, everybody, back to episode six of the Fantasy Alarm uh, Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Andrew Dewhurst, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I am doing very well, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here with me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, so um, what we're going to try to cover this week, we're going to do a quick recap of uh, standout performances from last week uh, and try to get into some uh, some games or series of interest uh, for week two that you can be uh, targeting looking at your DFS matchups. Um, so starting things off, I saw essentially three things that really stood out to me. Uh, one, McDavid is shooting. He, uh, through the first, what, five days, he was tied for the league leading shots. He'd shot as many uh, shots as uh, Austin Matthews, who was he was tied with. Uh, that was a little bit surprising to me. I don't always think of McDavid as a volume shooter, um, but here we are. And I, I mean, I think if that's a continuing trend, we may finally see like the like what is the ceiling on on a McDavid like goal season? Is is it 60? Is it greater than 60? Well, I mean, it's going to depend on Edmonton and how many like. And how many games are they going to be trailing by two or more goals? In which case, you need McDavid to fire everything on net, right? And it's terrifying to think of McDavid shooting the puck even more and being able to do more than what he's already doing. Like he's, it it boggles my mind to just think about McDavid being almost too good for like to play at the NHL level. He skates at a level I've never seen. Like he's that one player that's in maybe your rec league who has no business being in the league with you. Like he just skates yeah. circles around and he turns it on whenever he wants. And that's McDavid at the highest level. Like he right. just, he makes, what was it earlier? Was it last week when he scored three goals? Like he was off the board, right? For one night. And everybody's like, oh, okay. And then McDavid turns around and says, okay, well, here, hold my beer and let me show you what I did. And he just, I mean, he made Vancouver look average at times. At best, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, his acceleration is like nothing any anyone's ever seen before, right? That coupled with his ability to like handle the puck is just unparalleled um so that stood out for me uh another thing that stood out uh looked like we may be seeing a little bit of a resurgence from jeff carter i mean i don't i i don't want to live that moment anymore. <laughs> well uh, i mean I, I wouldn't be by any means be shocked if jeff carter still had like a 20 25 goal season left in him i mean he's not that old i don't think um Eddie is a very much a, a skilled scorer in his time, right? I mean, he is a 15, he is in his 15th year. Uh, he is a player who has at times, what was his career high? 46. Uh, but I mean, the last time he scored 20 or more was 16, 17. So he is a little far removed, but I mean, he does have four points in two games uh, against what I don't think of as a terrible, like I think of Minnesota as being a pretty decent defensive team. Um, so, I mean, he's a, he's a player to keep an eye on. I'm not by any means advocating like in your season long league, go and get this guy. You got to get him now. Um, or he's a must play in your DFS lineup when the Kings are playing, but he is somebody that I think is worth watching. Um, when the Kings are playing, I think he is probably worth a flyer in GPPs. Price pending, obviously. I mean, if he gets priced up over five thousand, I wouldn't touch him. But um, just something else to keep an eye on. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me is in the stat of goals against per game, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Columbus were all in the were among the five worst teams in the league. Those are three teams that don't. St. Louis and Columbus, especially who do not stand out to me as bad defensive teams who should be giving up lots of goals. Uh, sample size is king, obviously. I mean, it's only five games. In this case, it's probably more like two or three at the most for each. Um, but 
again, trends keep an eye on Pittsburgh, especially may be something to watch uh, as they seem to be really struggling defensively. Uh, Tristan Jari has not been good so far. Uh, Casey DeSmith got the win for them yesterday. So um, we'll see. I mean, I don't think any of these three teams are bad teams. I don't know that I would necessarily make anything of it. I mean, I'm, I'm not stacking against these teams. That's for sure. Um, but again, just things in uh, short sample size to, that stood out to me. Anything that stood up out to you in the, the first week, Chris? I think those, right, sticking with those, right, Jeff Carter would be playable if he wasn't on a second line with Athanasiu and Blake Lazat. Because, yeah, Jeff Carter can play. And Kings seem hella bent on putting Kopitar and Brown together on the ice and then pairing them with... Alex Iafalo, which I mean, their lineup was was really bad. I I took a yeah. look at it when I was putting together the first slate over the fantasy alarm, and I mean this this lineup is it's like it's bad. It is really bad. And then you go down defensively, they're not that great. I I think they overperformed a little bit against Minnesota because Minnesota is a good defensive team, and I had Cam Talbot in every spot possible, and he did give up three goals and. You know, both of those games that they played against the Kings, the Kings lost them in overtime. They could have easily won one of the two, and it didn't happen. But I just, man, I, I think Jeff Carter's just just there a little bit, and I really don't know what to make of him, and I'd appreciate if he just went away quietly and didn't ruin um, nights where I'm using Cam Talbot. On the Pittsburgh-St. Louis-Columbus side, I've, I mean, St. Louis is a team we saw it in the playoffs last season they kind of struggled a little bit and so i'm not really surprised here right and this is coming from me who you know started jordan bennington tonight against san jose and san jose's put three behind him on what like 12 shots so st louis just seems to be looking to find their game here early and i'm not too worried that they they'll find it for columbus i think it's just trying to get the system going there's a lot of a lot of new players that are in there, right? Miko Koi was out as well as of the lineup. That's a veteran player who can definitely solidify a third or fourth line. Max Domi is in the doghouse. Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> wants out. So there's not a lot of things that are going well for Columbus right now. Their goaltending situation is going to be fine. I think their defense is you know, good enough to be top half. I think it's just getting that torch system down and the players understanding that they got to work the way that Tortorella wants them to work to be successful and for Pittsburgh it's just they're a victim of that just crazy division that they're in right they get the two games against the Flyers the Flyers basically run around doing what they want a little bit Pittsburgh didn't play I mean poorly and even again even in their game against Washington they didn't play poorly but they're not a great defensive team and this shocks nobody per se it's just now they're they're getting exposed by teams that can score goals, right? So everybody knows how I feel about the Flyers having the deepest top nine, and even with Couturier out of the lineup, they're still really good. And then, oh, by the way, you've had a tough time against Pittsburgh. Well, here's Alex Ovechkin and his squad. Good luck with this game. So it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh all year. I still believe in Tristan Jarrett. I think it's been a rough start here. He's played some pretty good teams to start. It's not going to get easier for him, but this team's just going to maybe have to start playing a little bit more team defense and less run and gun as they've been doing the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, again, no doubt. I mean, Evgeny Malkin's got to start wanting to play. Like he doesn't, has not looked like he had had any interest in playing hockey in the first like three games they've played. He was completely Uh, invisible last night. Yeah. And I mean, just, just Malkin's like he, known for not this. there. Like he is hundred percent known for this. He's just has stretches of play where he's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. And then usually it, there's some amount of like Crosby injury. And it's like, Oh, you need me now. All right. Yeah, I'll play. <laughs> uh, which is obviously like turns into fantasy dumpster fires. Right. Cause you know, to, you, you look at the stats at the end of the year and you go, Oh, you know, Malkin's really good. You catch him in the playoffs. You're like, but yeah, Malkin's really good. Um, then the next year comes around and you have to draft him somewhat early. And then you're immediately frustrated when it's like, 
Wow, we're like seven games into this. Malkin's got like two points. <laughs> Why did I do this again? But if but. you don't have him on your team and you're looking for an early trade candidate on a buy low situation, find that frustrated owner and start yeah. dangling something in front of him and see if you can bring him over. Because like you said, when when he's on his game, he's unstoppable, right? He's a big yeah. He's a big centerman. He drives the play. He possesses the puck. He plays on the power play with Sidney Crosby and the rest of the gang that shoots. Like, he's going to figure it out, and he's going to get better. It's just you have to live with those moments where he doesn't want to be elite per se, and that's the frustrating part. But in a categories league where you're counting hits and block shots and everything, like Malkin throws his weight around, the power play points are there. The plus minus is a stat you shouldn't care about, and he's going to rack up the rest as well in goals and assists. It's just yep. living with him now is, you know, it's yeah, a love-hate gotta... relationship, right, with Gino? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, any other standouts for you from, from last week? Not not per se. I mean, there were some really good games, right? I really enjoyed watching a lot of just the first week. I think um, Carolina was something that kind of kind of raised an eyebrow here they struck i mean they threw every they threw the kitchen sink at detroit in game one they squeaked by him three one in game two they lost to detroit detroit looked i thought they were going to get better man this team looks terrible (laughs) they just i mean they they, arguably they played better in game two which is fine but even today the kitchen sink thrown at them yeah, they're going to get right. the kitchen sink thrown at them a lot. And this team just doesn't like they look like they're going the other way, which is, I mean, yeah. oh, boy, <laughs> it's not it's not pretty. And I did want to take I mean, Arizona, Arizona scored five goals against San Jose on Saturday, which was shocking that they could do that. Yeah. And they scored. Well, oh, no, yes, they scored three against the Sharks, so they're and with their back to back with the Sharks there. I I really saw a lot of Connor Garland on the ice, and I don't know what to make of him just yet, but he's got three points in what as many games. Yeah, he's been there. He's a he seems to be the staple in that top line, whatever the top line is for Arizona. Phil Kessel looks like he's slowly coming back to life here which is i mean that's good for the coyotes because you're going to need phil kessel but the connor garland situation is just that he's he's there he's he's affordable right he plays barrett hayden and nick schmaltz if that line stays together and whatnot it's it's something that i like i kind of don't want to get into it either right he falls into the jeff carter but i have i would much rather have connor garland let's say rest of season obviously than jeff carter I just don't know if he's going to really continue. Can he be a 40-plus point player this season? I don't know. Probably not. Because the Coyotes are not that. But, I mean, they do have to play San Jose a lot. And (laughs) San Jose's giving up goals. And the rest of that division is not good. I don't know, man. Like, Arizona just looks decent. I mean, I think to be fair to that situation... Right is I don't think you want either player for the rest of the season. Uh, however, you should maybe consider s- streaming them in weeks where they're going to play San Jose. Right, like you might have a couple weeks where uh, it's just you know you you can probably look to some of these teams and go, yeah, you know what, it might be worth grabbing Connor Garland for for a week or two here. They've got you know four games against San Jose, two games against Anaheim. Yeah, that might be worth it. Um, so I, I think there's definitely, we're going to see stuff like that. And I think smart fantasy owners will take advantage of those bad matchups and those continued bad matchups that you didn't used to get to take advantage of before. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess the one last thing I'm, I'm going to note here, cause it seems to get glossed over by a lot of people is that, uh, Vegas played their first three games with five defensemen because they they're over the cap and they can't dress enough skaters. Um, I had been watching to see if there was going to be a move because it seemed like every player under the sun had been rumored there. Uh, there was no move. They're going with five defensemen. I'm really waiting for the night where that really burns them. Uh, or I wonder if it does. And maybe this 
create some sort of odd trend where teams are like, yeah, you know what? We can get away. If we've got five good defensemen, we can get away with this. Um, so that's, I think that's the other situation I'm looking at. I mean, they, they like Vegas squeezed by uh, Anaheim for the most part. Like they won a game late. Like they, the second game they tied late one in overtime. The first game was two, two, I think through two, and then they won five, two. Um, so a little lackluster, I guess, from maybe what I was expecting from Vegas, but, uh, I mean, we're just, things are really just getting going here. Um, so moving into week two, uh, I saw, about, I think five matchups that really stood out to me as being promising, uh, from a DFS perspective to, to keep an eye on. Uh, first one is the Rangers at New Jersey. So as we know with New Jersey, uh, Prior to today, I mean, they kind of just settled their goalie situation. Corey Crawford retires. I think Corey Crawford would have been a very mainstay in that net. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood's been good, though. Jack Hughes has been good for for New Jersey. Um, But we're going to see some games against the Rangers, um, who stunk it up the first night, then looked great the second night. Um, And I wonder how they're going to pair up with New Jersey this week. Uh, I think the Rangers are going to enjoy not seeing a Barry Trotz team. So uh, it's probably a team I'm at least in the first game, uh, or if we get a second game with uh, who I expect to be the newly appointed backup in Aaron Dell, uh, where we could see some high scoring. I think, Any, that's, I think that's fair. I would say I think the Aaron Dell signing is just good. Well, waiver claim is good, smart hockey by the devils right they need a backup goalie they need somebody to support Mackenzie blackwood i still want to know what type of rangers team they are like are they the team that we saw on opening night that just looked completely lost or are they the team that we saw in game two where they you know put their heads down pedal to the metal and figured out what they needed to do because everybody's putting them on this pedestal where they're supposed to be a really good team. They got this up-and-coming young goalie who could be rookie of the year. You got a really good defense, and you got great forwards. But so far, Lafreniere has had you know tough time adjusting to the NHL, which is fine. He's a kid, right? You got Tony D'Angelo being himself. and taxi Yeah, he's basically going on the taxi squad. And, you know, Shesterkin was just there. I think, you know, Gorgiev picked up the win. So I guess it's going to be interesting to see just what type of Rangers team this is. Are they all the hype that we thought they were? Or are they just a team that's going to finish towards the bottom of that dreaded division that they're in? And I think for the Devils, it's going to be a good opportunity for them to see just how good this team is. Because I don't think they're terrible. It's just they're in a division that's tough and they're not they're not a good they're they're a good team in a really really tough division yeah i agree i mean other things i'd note here one i don't think the rangers defense is good uh the rangers were the most penalized team in the league last year they got just torn apart by penalties in the first game so i wonder i think it's going to be somewhere in the middle like i don't think they're as bad as they were in the first game i don't think they're as good as they were in the second game um, but they got like, I don't know what they're going to do with Tony D'Angelo. I'm not going to be shocked if they sit him on the press, just leave him down at the taxi squad. Um, I hated John- drafting him. I picked him up in one league and <laughs> I, I looked at him and I was like, man, do I really want to go down this route with him this season? <laughs> Cause like, let's forget all this stuff off the ice for a moment. Yeah. Right. And you're like, okay, well there's that aspect, by the way, there's coronavirus, Right. And then his on ice play as good as he is, he does make mistakes. And some of those mistakes are flagrant and some of them are not good, which is how he ended up, you know, sitting out game two. He was, not great. He made some mistakes, took a kind of unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which is probably not the best thing for him to be doing. So as an as a Tony D'Angelo owner, I just I just sit there and I try to ask myself and say, do I really want to keep going with this player all season? And I'm his fantasy owner. So I can't imagine what the Rangers, you know, front office is saying <laughs> to him as a player that they have, by the way, have to play or you know, sit him and pay him and 
deal with who he is at the same time. Yeah, I don't think the Rangers are getting problems sitting him paying because he's not making that much money. Um, and I don't think, he, like, clearly we saw that they weren't worse off for not having him. I mean, they've got enough talent on defense. Uh, I mean, Keandre Miller looked a little bit shaky when I saw him. Um, but, I mean, again, he's 20, getting his first taste of, like, professional hockey. So they can run the power play. They can use Truba if they have to. Uh, probably use Lindgren if they really had to. So I think they'll be fine without him. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, of note, happening on, on the New Jersey side, as noted, Jack Hughes appears to have shown up in some sense. He's got th- three points in two games, all, all assists, all even strength. Um, seeing a lot of time on ISO, 22 minutes. That's That's important for him, I think. Um, Ty Smith, rookie Ty Smith, two, two points in two games. Um, obviously he's not going to, I don't think he is seeing power play two time. Uh, PK Subban, obviously still the guy that is seeing that time. Um, PK has not changed a whole lot. Like I watched the game yesterday, had some dumb penalties, just kind of loses his head at times. It seems, um, so uh, those were things that stood out to me. Uh, Subban also no points and a minus one. No, but 28, 28, uh, 28 minutes average time on ice, which is sign- quite a bit. It's uh, a lot of ice time to be doing a yeah. lot of nothing, though. Yeah, that he, like he led the Devils by almost four minutes average time on ice. So it was very much the Subban Severson show. 24, 28 minutes. So, uh, other game that's st- other games that stood out to me uh, moving through week one. Chicago, Florida. Um, I don't think we're. I'm not certain when we're going to see Bobrovsky. Chris Drager looked fine yesterday. Uh, Florida's offense was seemingly unfazed by the loss of uh, um, Mike Hoffman, by the loss of Evgeny Dadnov. Um, they looked. They look fine. Put on, put five on Colin Delia with no trouble. I sense that's going to be a running theme. Every team is probably going to score five on Chicago without too much trouble. Um, so hard to make too much out of Florida there, but uh, Chicago is also still scoring some goals. So um, there is some. Well, their t- top line is scoring goals, and they're powerfully. Yes. Everybody else outside of them is just, you know, collecting a check at this point because. Like, I watched, what, a period and a half of it, and I was like, man, this is not great hockey. Good for Keith Yandel for getting into the lineup, right, keeping his Ironman streak going. I think that was important, and he played well, too. He yeah, you know, he contributed offensively, yeah. and he took a bad penalty. So that's, you know, that's vintage Keith Yandel. That's all you really need from him. But, yeah, Chicago just, Chicago just looks terrible. This is a team that you're going to be able to score a ton of on, right? Neither one of their goalies is really good. And you're going to have to rely on Debrinkat, Strom, and Patrick King to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And maybe that gives Duncan Keith some, you know, some fantasy value, which I mean, I don't feel good about that. But if that's, you know, if that's what 2021 is going to be, then so be it. Right. Duncan Keith is going to be fantasy relevant and we can all scroll back the clock a couple of years and, you know, yeah. Live some glory days with them. <laughs> how do you think Chicago is going to affect the DFS slate moving forward? Like, I really wonder about how this plays out and like, how do you effectively use or simple. note Chicago? Chicago is the course field of NHL. Cause you well, know, their goalies are not good. Like Florida, right. Florida is not a great offensive team, right? Like like you said, they lost pieces. Mike Hoffman's not there. Dodonov's not there. And, I mean, Patrick Hornqvist scored two. Huberto had three points. They they did damage. And that, that offense shouldn't be doing five-goal damage. But they're so bad, Chicago. And unless Jonathan Taves comes back and kind of solidifies at least the top line to be decent defensively, like this team's just gonna get ransacked every night. They're gonna, they're not gonna lead in shots. 
their core C4 is going to be terrible. And they're just going to be a, a gold mine for DFS players. You can stack against them. It wasn't hard. You could have stacked, right? I broke down the Sunday slate. It wasn't hard. You could have picked, you know, DeBrincat is still free on DraftKings, which, yep. by the way, DraftKings, so DraftKings has gone on this this pace here where they like to price players at min price um, who are actually decent. So on Saturday, the entire Ottawa second line was 2,500 each. So Dodonov was 2,500. Tim Stutzel was 2,500. Whoever centered those two was also 2,500. All three of them, which was, which, which, which was too much for my brain to handle. I stacked them with Edmonton. So that didn't turn out well, but I mean, I could, I stacked, right? So I, the second line, Ottawa's second line, because they're min price, I was able to stack McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and somebody else, right? On draft ends, yeah. which should be impossible to do. And then yesterday, Patrick Hornfist was min price as well, and he went off. So I, I don't know if DraftKings just mailing it in this season says, you know what, we'll just price some 20, you know, some min price players who shouldn't be. But that was that was like that was getting me tilted before I even saw that game, and then I was watching it, and Chicago's just easy pickings. You have to have some type of exposure to whatever team is playing against them. You have no choice. Agreed. What's the reason I asked the question is like yes, I think you're right. You're gonna like like it or love it. You need some exposure. The problem that I see here is getting like. And the randomness is like, what's going to be the right exposure? How will like teams eventually like Chicago is going to get a little bit better, right? I don't think Chicago is going to get a ton better. Like getting Soderbergh is going to help. Soderbergh is going to like is at least a legit second, third line center in the NHL. Uh, if they get Taves back, obviously that's a, a sizable upgrade. Uh, and maybe they stand a chance of like outscoring their way to a win here and there. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to have some, if not like, it's just how much exposure, right? Like, can you get away with like, you know, one piece, like, can you just grab, you know, if I guess last night, if you had just Huberto, you're probably fine. Um, but there are going to be nights like, five is going to be probably the minimum, right? Like we're going to see seven. We're going to see eight against this team. It's just that bad. Um, and you're getting a burnt. Like they're just, somebody's just, people are just going to stack everything as much as possible against them and roll the dice and be like, all right, well, yeah, got an eight night. There it's either go. you get on board or, or you get you, off or you get off and you fall out of the cash line. That's yeah. it's um, as easy as that. Just dominates. It's just going to dominate. Uh, and yeah, I don't. I don't know how much. Like, I feel like there is some strategy here that is sitting in wake of like how to handle the Blackhawks. Uh, but offhand, I don't know what it. I don't like. I can't necessarily articulate it right now. It's just get get something. Um, they're like, giving up too many shots too. So yeah. if you're on DraftKings, where there's the five shot bonus as well. Yeah. Right. If you pick an elite goal scorer who's shooting pucks, like it's it's, it's not going to be hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, and ultimately the other thing I, I will note here is while Chicago Chicago's really bad, like Detroit is no slouch in the getting being really bad category either, right? Like that could be interesting in having like top teams playing Chicago and Detroit on the same night. Like Bernier and, and Grice are not going to stop forty a night. That, that's not going to be like what continues to happen. Um, no, but like Detroit was, Detroit was a little bit better. Like maybe Carolina just couldn't figure it out, but I mean, the puck didn't go in the net, which is right. Which, which is the goal of the, which is the goal of the game, right? It's to make sure the puck stays out of the net. And if your goalie is every once in a while going to save you, well, it's already better than whatever Chicago has going because they don't have a goalie who can stop the puck. (laughs) Neither one of them is good at their job that they're getting paid for. So at least with Detroit, well, they've gone and they've they've done their upgrades. They have players who can do stuff. They're again, even today, they played somewhat well against Columbus. They weren't terrible. They yeah. 
didn't win, but they weren't terrible. They were existed, whereas Chicago is terrible. When their skates touch the ice, nothing good comes from what they've done. Nothing. With the exception of a couple of goals that they score here and there on the power play. Like, that's it. They're terrible. Yeah. I mean, ironically, Chicago was actually... Uh, you said they give up too many shots. They've actually are like middle of the pack. They're at 33. Yeah, because the puck's tonight. going in the net. So the game Because it goes in. <laughs> it goes in. Teams but like are, Vancouver. Teams score four Edmonton, goals. And they're like, all right, we don't have to push. Now let's just lock this down. That's yeah. it. Vancouver, Edmonton, and Nashville all averaging 37 or more shots against per Jesus. game. Man, poor Nashville. You Staros. Although he didn't play tonight, and I didn't notice it, which hurt me. Well, they had to get Pecorino some starts, right? He's got to be alive, so there's. But uh, like, I think those like these are trends worth watching, right? Like, who's giving up all the shots? Because that matters. Like, that's gonna matter in DFS. Um as we kind of slowly skate away from the cesspool that is the Blackhawks. Um, Vancouver keeps giving up 37 shots a game. They're just going to get pummeled each and every night. We'll see if they come back down earth a little bit after not playing, you know, see what the not playing Edmonton factor does for them. Uh, I think at first glance, I think they were up one, nothing or down. They were up one, nothing. I'll give them credit for this. Vancouver had 16 shots in the first period against Calgary. 16 like yeah like jacob markstrom got his shutout so he kind of you know shoved it to his former team uh but his former team came out tonight and said okay well you know stop everything uh they follow that up right now they're midway through the second period they only have one shot on goal so vancouver kind of neither here nor there it would be nice if they could pick one so i can know you know what kind of team they are and how can i Pick them accordingly. JT Miller is also back, so that helps their lineup a lot. But I just, I don't know, man. Vancouver, I'm just not sure what they are. If they give up too many shots per game, I feel like especially in that all-Canadian division, like it's going to be a track meet for a bunch of teams every night. Yeah. Because defense doesn't seem to be what a lot of teams want to play. They just want to go up and down the ice and see who can outscore who. And to be honest, I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, um, yeah, I mean. Like later on in the week, we have Edmonton and Toronto. Yes. (laughs) Okay. That that is one I had highlighted as well. It's like, that's just going to be like, whatever the over is, I'm taking it. Over might hit the first period, (laughs) let alone the game. Like if If they they said that Anything they have left. a six over under just for the first period. Like <laughs> I got an extra five lying around. I'll be like, all right, <laughs> go with this. Yeah. I can't imagine that gets set anything less than six and a half. But I mean, I didn't think Edmonton and Vancouver would have a five, five point five or a six on opening night. That was like a nine. So I think those. See, where Vegas is looking at five and a half. I think a lot of games are just going to go over just because it's so short. There's so many, you, you play your opponent so often, sometimes in such a small time window that at one point you're going to start figuring out, you know, what your opponent's doing, right? Yeah. So what system are they running? How are they trying to clog the neutral zone? You know, how are they running that power play? How are they running the penalty? Kick? You're going to figure it out pretty quickly just by watching it, right? So, Canadian teams that get to watch Toronto's penalty kill, well, you know they're going to press you hard, right? They're going to force you to move the puck around. They want you to make a bad pass, turn it over. So if you're a quick-moving team that can move the puck around in the offensive zone when you're on the power play, well, that Leafs penalty kill is going to burn themselves out pretty quick, and then all of a sudden you're going to start seeing the Leafs giving up goals uh, shorthanded. But specifically to Edmonton and Toronto, I want to watch – like I want the matchup to be Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Like, I want to see those two just skate up and down the ice with each other and, like, just watch my head go back and forth like a ping-pong challenge here because if it's anything less than that, then it's been a failure. Yeah, I mean, if you don't see Joe Thornton at some point just, like, have to, like, you know, 
bend over partway through a shift and get a breather because he just he's gone from center ice back to the blue line back to center ice back to the blue line because he can't skate well enough to get up and down with the play he's just kind of like stuck in the neutral zone um i want to see him try to catch up to mcdavid coming down (laughs) his way like how much you want to bet like Connor McDavid is going to lift his head up, right? So as a good forward, what I do when I play is I'm always looking for that weak player on the ice. I'm like, okay, well, how can I exploit this guy every time I'm on there? So I want to know when McDavid lifts his head, sees Jumbo Joe on the left side and goes, yeah, this is the guy I'm going to go around every single time I'm on the ice because it's going to happen. Yeah. He's just going to lift his head, take three strides and – like Joe's got to pivot and now it's too late because he's already forced strides behind McTavid. It's, it's going to be something I just, I want to see how is it going to be possible and do the Leafs adjust at that point and maybe move Thornton off that top line just to be able to compete. Yeah. I mean, I've ultimately, uh, I talked to people about this and I was like, you know, Hyman's going to be back on the top line by like, give it two weeks. Right, like, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, love Joe Thornton. Um, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. So, you know, not long after he retires, no disrespect, but I I expected Toronto was bringing him in to put him on the third line. You know, not to be like, yeah, let's let's play with Matthews and Marner. Let's this match made in heaven. You can uh, go dig the pucks out, right? <laughs> if you get there in time. Before yeah. the and I have gone. no problem with him being on the power play. Like, that's fine. Yeah, he he's was, still an elite passer. Yeah, he was out there tonight. He was doing stuff. He was, you know, at first they tried to put him in the bumper position. That's not where you want Joe Thornton to be. You want him kind of on the half wall, yeah. kind of facilitating the play and whatnot. So, like, I have no problem with that. If they want to have Joe out there and they want to put Wayne Simmons in front of the net, that's fine. That's trying, you know, you're playing <laughs> guys to their advantage. You don't have to have you know, your five best offensive players trying to go out on the power play doing something, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, one of them drops a pass, and then you got three guys going the other way on a three-on-no three on, no, on Freddie. But, again, they, they have two balanced power play units, which is, I guess it's fine because you have so many good players that you can have that kind of luxury. But I agree with you. The Joe Thorne top-line experiment, I didn't think it'd be a thing still, but... I mean, I've been saying the same thing about Zach Cassian on the top line, and <laughs> a year later, here we are. Ah, uh, Cassian's shuffled up and down, and that'll probably continue to happen. But, um, yeah. Uh, two other matchups I wanted to get to. Uh, your beloved San Jose Sharks uh, against uh, St. Louis. I really thought St. Louis would bounce back tonight. They have not done that. Uh at last glance, this is a 4-4 tie. I thought it was, would be like 5-1 St. Louis tonight um, after getting just decimated by Colorado. 8 nothing after winning opening night. Um, so I'm surprised. Like I don't know if this is a case of like San Jose is better than I thought they were or St. Louis is worse than I thought they were. I mean, Mike Hoffman's gotten on the board. That's good for them. Uh, you talked about Philly being deep. I think St. Louis is probably pretty close to that kind of depth. A little bit different type of team, a little bit more grit. Um, but I mean, if they get Tarasenko back, like that top nine is, is going to be as good as anybody's. I think that's I think that's fair. Jordan Bennington, by the way, tonight might get like he could pick up a win, and it'll be less than the win bonuses. That's how poorly <laughs> he has played yeah. tonight. Um, right. Devin Dubnik is Devin Dubnik. So I'm not really shocked or surprised to see him giving up goals and giving up a lot of them, which is, again, that's very okay with me if he can't find the back of the net on a consistent basis. But I, I just like, I want St. Louis to be good. St. Louis was free also in a lot of different spots tonight. Right. Yeah. So I think Jaden Schwartz, again, following with DraftKings, he wasn't min price tonight. So there has been an upgrade there, but I think he was like 3K, which was 
Again. No, Schwartz was a little bit more expensive. Schwartz was four thousand seven hundred. I'm sorry, no, no, Braden it was three. Braden Shen, right? My bad. Braden Shen, even worse, by the way, even worse. Like Braden Shen was three k, and I was like tilting my head around, going, "What?" Just eleven percent owned in my in. Like people didn't. I don't know if people think like San Jose is good, but they're not. So. And, like, Devin Dubnik was really, really bad last year on a really good defensive team. Like, he's the reason Minnesota struggled. Just him. Minnesota had their own offensive issues. But, like, in terms of giving up goals, Devin Dubnik was a problem. And now he plays in San Jose where they just don't really play defense. Their offense is kind of, okay, it exists, but they don't play defense. They're not really good at it. Their team's not built to play well defensively. Eric Carlson and Brent Burns are out there to contribute offensively, and their top six is defensively responsible at best. So, man, again, good for St. Louis for scoring some goals tonight, but come on, Jordan, like stop a puck, man. Do it for me, please. Like every time I lift my head up here, they score another one. (laughs) <laughs> like St. Louis scored four in the second, which I'm like, okay, well they, you know, they figured it out. But like Jordan Bennington here has what? He has 15 saves, giving up four goals. I don't. Yeah. Ugh. 16 I, saves. Now. Yeah. Like, 16. Okay, there we go. He's he's still in the game, unfortunately. Like I was just like, just pull him at this point, save me a misery. Just let me go home and call this night. Like my lineup died. My lineup is kind of like. Right, my DFS line is kind of just hanging on, and I really hate that because it gives you that false hope. You're like, oh, okay, I'll stay up and I'll watch the late game just in case a late hammer hits for me. All for that hammer to kind of like destroy me like midway through the first period, and now, well, it's 11.30 Eastern and I'm awake, and here I am now sulking in my own tears because, <laughs> you know, St. Louis kind of gave me just a little bit of hope just to have it all taken away. Yeah. Um, but no, St. Louis is just, just they're so hard to, they're so hard to follow, and I, I just don't know what the next game is gonna give for these two teams, you know? Like they play again what Wednesday, like uh, yeah, be Wednesday. Martin Jones is gonna be in goal. Like, are they gonna give Jordan Bennington another start? I you think know, they're they gonna, gonna have to go to Huso. Um, and like the. The question I really got to be like, I'm asking myself right now, right now is like, why is it that you traded Jake Allen again? Like, I know you had cap problems, but like, money. Um, this is a team as well. Like, like, like you said, right? Jake Allen's out of there as well. Petrangelo's out of there. Uh, Tory Krug is a no show tonight. He is just not, again, a no show. I, I, I think he's alive, but I can't, conf- according to my, According to my DraftKings lineup, I can neither confirm nor deny his existence. So <laughs> he's got 20 shots, or he's got 20 minutes on the ice, in which it appears he has done nothing. He has him. done. He has done nothing. I like. I don't. I see a zero. Yeah. Which is. Zero. Which is okay. Like that. It's gonna happen, but. Like he's got. I I got a lot of. Here's the thing, right? Right. Like I live in a cold part of the country, right? but I don't like to see snowflakes in my DraftKings player board kind of thing, right? <laughs> like, sure. I want it that it's hot. I want it to be 30 degrees at all times. And I got a lot of snowflakes here. Towards, <sighs> and Claude Giroux put up a big, fat zero against yep. Buffalo. Zero. And cool, you know, like, cool story. Just, but somehow, I don't know, my... My lineup is still intact, so I just like I just want to know what's gonna happen. And in St. Louis, like you said, is it time for maybe to give Huso a start and say, hey, what you know, what can you do? Are you capable of playing in the NHL? Or well, the the story is right. Jordan Bennington gets called up uh, three years ago, right? I think it was three years ago now. But the reason Bennington gets called up is because Huso is hurt. Uh, so Bennington came up out of nowhere, becomes a star. He's good for, we'll say, what, a year and a half? We'll give, we'll give it a full two years. Um, 
and since then it seems like pumpkin time came along and you know he's just gone back to back to sleep and i wonder if it's not you know ultimately if we don't see a situation where maybe Huso takes the reins on this if he can come in and play well um because there must be some amount of uh blues brass that was originally like Huso's the guy so Huso should still be the guy right like if, if if Bennington's not playing well uh this should certainly we could see see that happen which would be really interesting um because you're going to get them at a well goalies don't tend to come at a steep discount um but you'll see like re- a lot I mean I don't know about the, steep discounts. Yeah. I think you might because Saturday saw was it Saturday? Saturday saw FanDuel had UC Saros at sub seven K. He was sixty nine hundred bucks. Wow. UC Saros. So again, I don't know <sighs> what yeah. the DFS sites are doing early. Maybe they're just mailing it in. Maybe they just need to send me the email address when I can send them my resume and I can just Every once in a while, I'll just pop in and say, yep, this seems about right. Send me my check and keep doing because right now, it, man, sometimes you just you tilt your head to the side and you say, what is this concoction that they've put together <laughs> in terms of pricing? Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no doubt. I haven't even looked at my FanDuel lineups tonight. but um, So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly one to, uh, to watch. Watch. Um, I mean, as long as Shen's priced that way, I'm going to have him in my lineup. So probably means I'm going to also have Schwartz in my lineup. Uh, and then uh, the other matchup that really stood out here is Colorado at the LA Kings. Um, Colorado, as noted, was down on the first game. Did not expect them to lose 4-1. Uh, and then 8 nothing. So heading into the head to LA, uh, the aforementioned, who I'm not certain who we are, LA Kings, um, not playing the kids, playing kind of a odd group of nothing, if you will. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, no one's excited for. I don't think anyone's excited for Blake Lazat, right? As like, uh, I don't even think Blake Lazat is excited for Blake Lazat. <laughs> Gabe Velarde might be something if he can stay healthy. He's kind of he's a player that was decent in, uh on his way up, but struggled to stay healthy. But like, I don't know. I look at, at the Kings and I was just like, I don't want any part of this. Like not against Colorado. I'm not touching Jonathan quick. I'm not touching Cal Peterson. Um, there's no like contrarian play in LA. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like five, six goals out of, out of Colorado this weekend or this week, probably, uh, you know, see that very first ascension to the top of the <clears throat> top of the scoring board for uh, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, and I think Nathan McKinnon might have his hands full though with Anze Kopitar. Kopitar is good enough to play defensively that we know his anchor Dustin Brown is going to play well defensively as well. And I mean, I follows just there. I don't know if they're, top line unless they put Landeskog back on that line in which case now they're a juggernaut and, and it could did. be really hard they did put him back together for a slight time I don't know if they're going to actually stay with that or if they're just going to kind of turn to it when they kind of need it a little bit but I will say from a DFS perspective though I would look really closely at Colorado's second line because they have nobody after that right like the yeah. Kings have a top line and then they just have nine players playing and Again, Jeff Carter is good, but he's not great, and I don't think defensively he's going to tilt the needle anywhere. So if that top line stays together, the second line of Nazem Kadri, Brandon Saad, and Andre Burakovsky, I think Kadri and Saad would be the like the kind of mini stack that I'd put together there. Because I mean, Kadri gets the top power play minutes, which is nice. I think Brandon Saad still has like he has enough skill to score goals. And maybe he just needs to play the LA Kings to get him to get him going. And the same thing at that point, I'd probably pair them maybe with Nathan McCarr. Get your power play mini stack there. Get your three man going. Yeah, McCarr. Yeah. There you go. Just let these guys run all over. You know, Drew Dowdy and the old boys there. 
yeah, I mean that's definitely one way one way to look at it. I I mean you're definitely going to see Kopitar in like offensive zone situations, right? They're getting they're at home. They'll get that last change. Um, I don't feel like like if this if they start skating up and down the ice, it's going to be tough for the Kings, no matter who's on the ice, to to really slow Colorado down. Um, but that said, I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree. I think looking Caudry uh, Sod isn't isn't the worst. Uh, I do worry a little bit about Sod. Like he hasn't seen a lot of ice time, uh, closer to third line time than second line time. Which is fair. He hasn't been great to start the season, um, which is why I'm saying, well, at some point he's got to figure it out, right? I mean, there's too much skill. Like, he can play in the NHL. He's a top six forward in my mind. He's a big body. He scored goals. Now he's gone to Colorado as well. So, again, not a nobody team. And, I mean, he he should be able. Maybe all all he needs is the LA Kings. Maybe he just needs Maybe. Jonathan Quick and goal, and you know he'll f- score a couple here and there, and he'll be just fine. Yeah, he just needs only him out on defense, if you want to call that defense. Yeah, pair him with Drew Doughty, who gets pissed off that people say he's not good anymore when he hasn't <laughs> been good. So yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, I mean on the Burakovsky case, like he does have three points. Um, he does have oddly th- all three of those are on the power play uh i expect maybe his 66.7 shooting percentage will come down maybe a little bit right um you know only probably about i think it was who was it i think it was maxime contois like he's got three goals in the first three two goals games. on four shots he's got four shots though yeah like he's shooting 75 percent like, okay yeah. well like regression is coming here so he may score four goals the rest of the season <laughs> He, I mean, he might, he might not. I mean, uh, Comtois comes with some pedigree, I believe. Um, I mean, the Ducks have, the Ducks have talent sitting on that team. It's just, I choose not to play it, right? right. Like, there's no real reason for them to be like, yeah, you know what, Zegers, we're sending you down. Drysdale, we're going to send you down too. Like, they're still like just getting to, like to bringing like they've been bad for years. They're like, yeah, all right, let's find Isaac Lundestrom. You can you can play now. Like it's been three you've spent three years toiling away. So like some teams try to be bad, it seems, uh, and I feel like that's kind of the Kings. I don't necessarily feel like are trying to be bad. They just have enough bad contract that are. They don't even have to try. That's the beauty of LA. They just have to roster their lineup and let it go out every night. And they just can't not roster their lineup because of the Carter contract, the the Dowdy contract, which probably the worst in the NHL, uh, and the uh, and the Kopitar's contract. Just no one's touching those contracts. They can't be worse. But at least Kopitar's not bad. Right. Yeah, he's 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 a functional NHL player. Teams would be interested in him in some capacity if probably the length of his contract was shorter. Yeah, because they like he could he's I think on any other team he's a really good like a really really good second line center, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you're talking really good. He can still be a serviceable top line center, which is fine, and he can still pop you in an 82 game season probably 60 points like he's still good i just feel like he's got nothing to work with him around he like imagine being from slovenia and then you know every once in a while you make to the olympics you get throttled by every other team and then oh by the way now go play in la and you know play with the same wingers who are you know nobodies and get throttled by other teams as well yeah I mean, there probably is a point in there, though, where it's like being from Slovenia and getting to play in L.A. and having won that Stanley Cup. Uh, probably it all comes out in the wash somewhat. He's probably not. I think it's I mean, he's he's a he's been really good for a really long time. He is the definition of what you want your top line center to be. You want him to be a Pavel Datsuk or, you, you know, or an Anze Kopitar or Patrice Bergeron. You want him to be something like that. And. Man. Yeah, I mean, 
he's in his 15th year, right? Uh, he has scored in his career less than 20 goals in a season just like three times. I got lucky the year he finished with like 93 points because I drafted him that year in fantasy hockey and he just went off. And I was like, man, Anze's back, right? Like he scored, what, 40, I think? I 35. Like, 35. He was, he was just lighting it up. And then the year after that, I was like, I was telling people, I was like, no, 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 this isn't a one-year thing. He's going to do it. And then didn't. <laughs> well, now I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not necessarily that was one type of thing. 92 was just peak. 92 was just more than what he was capable of doing. Yeah. Uh, and if, if anyone ever wants to make a case for plus minus, I, I'll read this out for you, knowing uh, if anyone doesn't know, Kopitar is among the best defensive centermen in the league. Uh, here's his plus minus over the last five years, starting in 15, 16, plus 34, minus 10, plus 21, minus 20, plus six. He's a minus three so far this year. Plus minus use, is random. What please stop using it in stat. your, please stop using this in your fantasy. It's game. such a useless stat, man. Like he plays the best players every night. Like yeah. his, like when the other team sends out their, their cream of the crop. His job is to slow them down. And, oh, by the way, can you also provide most of the offense for the team if you have a moment? Yeah. Like, once you're done slowing down McDavid, can you also score some goals? Because the guys to your left and to your right are probably not going to do it without you. So, um, anyways, um, any any matchups that we missed, Chris, that really stood out to you? Not particularly. I think we covered the ones that that really that really mean something. I'm excited, like I said, for those games to happen, see how they go. The rest of the week kind of you know, there's some other good games that we can look forward to. But those are the ones that I will definitely be watching. Dallas should make a return as well to the NHL. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there, but yeah, just no, we're good here. I just want to watch Edmonton Toronto go for it a little bit, and I hope that game finishes six five. Uh, yeah, I mean, just as a quick note here, Montreal's still up one nothing. They're about to hit the second intermission. Connor That's McDavid took a penalty too, so like I don't want to be pissing off Connor McDavid before the third period starts. <laughs> Not in a one nothing game. Not in a one. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to piss off Connor McDavid, and he turns around in the third and just starts skating around humans. Because, like, I'm terrified right now. He we was, also have a Tory Krug sighting. We he do. Assist. We do. We know Tory Krug is alive. He hasn't shot the puck, but he is alive. They also took away the Jaden Schwartz oh, goal. Yeah, they gave credit to Shen. So. To those of you who played 3K Shen on DraftKings, the chalk is hit again. You're welcome. DraftKings, please fix your product. I'm 4% you. owned. And I, he's having two lineups, 11% and 4% owned. I don't know how people forgot him. It's just that uh, well, I, I don't know how they forgot he existed today. I can tell you if you read the playbook today, if you looked at uh, our core lineups, he was in both of them. He was yeah. not forgotten at Fantasy Alarm. He was he was there. He was an easy one. You looked up. You saw San Jose. You saw Devin Dubnik get confirmed. So you went straight to it St. Matter. Louis and said, who's, who's playing? Playing? You just see San Jose and you look at, can the other team score? Well, Arizona got five. Any team should be able to get five. That's exactly. So if Arizona can score five goals against San Jose, every other team in the league should have no issue doing it. Yeah. Uh, I think we're also hitting, getting close to the time of stack everyone against Vancouver. It is three one. Uh, Did Braden Holpe get the start of that one? Uh, I think it's Demko. Oh, but it's Thatcher. Okay. It is. They've already given up twenty four shots, and we're not even to the third yet. Yeah. Uh, the so the, the, the Jacob Markstrom revenge game is now going on his second day, so that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty big there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wishing that I had uh, played Rasmus Anderson again. Uh, he continues to be someone worth watching. He's getting the top power play time. Yeah. Um, he was 
I, I the only reason I looked past him because I was like, oh, you know what? I think there's some other guys I'd rather have that are similarly priced. I was wrong. Uh, and Arizona gets first goal against Vegas. So shorthanded as well. Vegas giving yeah. up those shorties early. Well, that maybe this is the night that five defense uh, comes back to haunt them. But anyways, we're reading out scores that people are going to like know what actually happened by the time they hear this. Uh, the best in radio. So uh, anything else you want to add for tonight, Chris? That's enough for me. I just do better Jordan Bennington next time. Yeah. Please. Um, all right. So we'll get out of here. Uh, I'm waiting for the angry email from John. It'll be on its way. Uh, but uh, we'll be back at you likely Sunday next week uh, day release. Uh, so have a great week, everyone. Good luck. We'll see you in the chat. And as always, uh, you know, keep an eye on the, the playbooks and the core plays. Uh, we've got you covered. Have a great week.